Welcome to Finding My Yum, a sex-positive podcast celebrating all forms of sexual expression. Each week, we bring on a new guest to share their journey. We talk honestly and openly about what they're into and what sex, kinks, love, and more look like in the real world. I'm Jerry Courtney Austin. And I'm Will Lentz. And we are your hosts. And today we are thrilled to have AM here to talk all about their journey. Uh, They are recently a below-the-knee amputee and are learning how to dance again as a disabled person. They're also the host of their own podcast, uh, a social justice advocate, and so many other things. We have an amazing conversation. I I know that you're all going to absolutely love her. Before we get to that, we have some news shifting out the podcast. Will is leaving us. Sad, sad day. Yeah, I'm sorry. Uh, I agree. It is sad. Um, (laughs) I've just had a lot of stuff kind of come up and bandwidth is drawn really thin. But also, like, at the same time, you know, I think there's an opportunity for you to find someone that is, like, you know, more in the world, more in the space to uh, kind of contribute into those areas, too. Because while I've really enjoyed the journey uh for the past two years i do feel like it is a thing that um is maybe i'm not the best person to represent that kind of space and i think that that's uh i think that's kind of part of one of the reasons that i feel like you know the show can be better i think with someone else uh helping out yeah potentially i don't know if it's interesting i'm like right now i feel everything is changing and it's it's not my favorite you know I understand that life is full of changes but the Los Angeles is about to fully reopen whatever that means on July 15th and uh that just means like my whole scope is changing and so this is this is one more thing so it does really feel like an an era is ending I mean we've been doing this for two years, which is a yeah. really, really long time. Um, yeah, yeah it's, and yeah, it, it's interesting. I mean, I I know what you're saying there. I feel like it's uh, a thing that I think a lot of people are feeling, uh, not just within obviously this uh, Zoom meeting or this podcast or this community, <laughs> but like sure. you know, I think we all kind of got into some rhythms during like our quarantine and now like Mm -hmm. the world is asking us to get out of those rhythms and and those can be good in a lot of ways um and in other ways it's like oh I don't have exactly the same amount of time that I used to have and there are other things that I you know the responsibilities in some areas are starting to kind of ask more of you and and -hmm. I think that that that's I think something that a lot of people are undergoing it's like how do I weigh those types of things and hopefully how do I cultivate the the, the world that I want to have but also mm-hmm. like it's it is kind of a forced um, adjustment that everybody's having to make yeah I think the thing that's coming up for me the most is you know I, I just don't think we're acknowledging the global trauma that yeah. has occurred and that all of us are physiologically chemically you know cellularly energetically completely different and and that going back to normal like I don't even know what that means anymore um especially for me you know it just yeah time feels different like being able to have had a breath have having there were so many terrible things about COVID and and continues to be you know awful things about it and it was also a chance for me to take a breath and to take a lot of the pressure off of so many different aspects like particularly within industries that shut down and there was like well there's no work so I I can't you know book any jobs and I can't be social so uh there's no pressure to do that and and so having those come back and being like, oh, okay, is this what I want? Like, do I want to do this? Do I feel like I have to do this? Um, yeah. So so it's interesting. But um, yeah, yeah. It, it feels like a struggle. I know. <laughs> I know. Honestly. Yeah. And I mean, so in a way, it's like the it also feels like it's we're, we're being forced to adapt to it without having the chance to. It's like mm-hmm. in, in a way it's happening almost faster than what I am ready for but also like which feels weird because it's not like this is a status that I would want to stay in like that's not the case by any means but like but it is like the train is picking up speed and it's hard to it would be great if we could all like get out of this pause as a as a globe and be like all right let's talk about what just happened uh yeah but that's not gonna that doesn't feel like that that's in line so I don't know we'll see and I, it's funny, I was talking to my therapist and, and she was like, well, you know, it sounds like you're just having all this pressure that you just need to all of a sudden be ready for all of this and like be happy about it and excited and enthusiastic. And it's like, 
but you can just meet yourself where you're at. It's <laughs> like, sure, that sounds great. How the that, fuck do I do that? Right, right. You know, because like how I operated before the pandemic was very, was very different. Um, yeah, so it's interesting. But I did want to say, you know, despite what you think you bring to the podcast or whether it's a perfect fit anymore, you know, I think your perspective has always been amazing and treasured and and I've always just thoroughly enjoyed kind of bouncing off of you and I think one of the things that you've done that's so remarkable one is that the the you know the ethos and what we were doing with the podcast changed so dramatically (laughs) from the inception of the idea and you were just so cool to just go with it you held space so well for all of these things that we were learning and that were far outside of both of our comfort zones and that was always just so wonderful and then and then I think you know especially when you were involved in the interviews and and even as as the for the intros and outros like your your like kindness and calm and and inquisitive questions were always so wonderfully additive to the conversation and so i've always been appreciative to have you as a teammate and such an awesome producer and technical guru so um i'm grateful for your time and i i'm grateful we got to do this for a couple years yeah me too i i I appreciate all of what you just said there it's very thoughtful and sweet and i will take that um i also uh you know i it's been very fun to watch you grow and i have felt very like privileged to be part of that journey and also to like i think one of the things that i found very cool is the ability to to see things that I might not see otherwise um, and to be exposed to thoughts and ideas that I might not be otherwise. And there is certain, I mean, there's certain things I can do to expose myself to them more, but I think that you offered a really like welcoming space and the ability to carry on a lot of thoughtful conversations and there are things that have helped me grow too. Um, and so I, I, I very much appreciate that. And we'll obviously continue to, uh, to, to follow and smash the subscribe buttons um, yeah. on the journey as it goes from here. <laughs> Amazing. Um, yes, well, we will we will dearly miss you, Will, but uh, we're excited to see all of the things. I don't know who the we is, me and all of my personalities <laughs> in this community. Uh, yeah, of all the things that you continue to accomplish in all your future endeavors. Um, yeah, so with that, uh, you know, things are shifting, but the podcast will will continue on. So we're excited to to keep growing and going. <laughs> I just keep saying we because I'm like, it's just me. But uh, yeah, so I'm excited to give updates as, as things come up. But before that, this episode is amazing. You're going to love AM. I can't wait for you to listen. So here we go. Yay! Welcome to Finding My Yum. I'm so excited. Today we have AM here. AM is the host of her own podcast, Yes, a Stripper Podcast. AM has recently become a below-the-knee amputee and is learning to dance again as a disabled person. But losing part of her leg has not slowed her down one bit. She now spends the majority of her time working as an activist and advocating for marginalized folks in her intersecting and surrounding communities. Thank you so much for taking the time to be here today. Oh my gosh. Thank you so much for having me yeah I, you are a busy busy person so yeah. I'm so excited that you were able to <laughs> to pencil us in um yeah so I'd love to just start you know I think your your story is so unbelievably inspiring and um I, like I've taken away so much from just listening to your podcast and and reading your blog and so I'd mm-hmm. love to just start with uh, a little bit of history of like where where you grew up and and okay. what what you what the predominant like messaging around sex and sexuality is now that you're such a you know I would say a face and like advocate for um pleasure and sexuality and expression across you know for all different bodies um yeah yeah, I'm wondering where it started (laughs) where it started so yeah thank you for asking um I was exposed to sex materials as a young person um you know, like I found pornography under my uncle's bed. My uncles were teenagers at the time. Um, my parents uh-huh. had me when they were pretty young. Um, and so like, yeah, teenage boys or, or young men in their 20, you know, early 20s typically have porn under their bed. And so, yeah. um, you know, that was my first introduction. I was like, 
pretty young. I was a very young person, like four or five years old. And I found it and I was like, what is this? And I was just like, I had never, yeah, I had never seen anything like that before. And, um, I was just more like curious and not, you know, nothing else but curious. And then, um, we got scolded for finding it Mm. and looking at it. Um, but briefly, and it wasn't like, I can't believe you did that. It wasn't a whole thing. It was just like, you shouldn't look at these things. And also you shouldn't go through your uncle's things. You're just supposed to be jumping on the bed, not going under the bed and looking at things. So that was another reason I got scolded. And then, um, and then a few years later, you know, we found pornography magazines in the bushes in my neighborhood where, you know, my friends and I found it. And I was like, oh, I remember this. And so I would just, <laughs> yeah, I would just see these things and just be very curious about it. And I didn't think anything of it other than I'm very curious. And then my friend, we were like 10 and she knew where her mom's porno tapes were. And we watched those. And it was weird because I was like, e- her mom's not even attractive. Like, why am I feeling like aroused by this? I remember as a very young person being like, these people are not attractive, but I'm feeling aroused by this. It was like her home videos. Is that you? Her mom's oh, home videos. Okay. Okay. Wow. <laughs> yeah. And like, I had seen like her mom's boyfriend, like ejaculate, like really high up into the air and and it was like people that I knew and right. so it was just I don't know it didn't feel icky or strange to me it just felt normal kind of and yeah. like my parents it's not like my mother was like super sex positive and would talk to me about that stuff um but at the same time it wasn't like don't ever do this either mm. and so I always have had been encouraged to be myself and think how I want to think and ask questions. And, and so I think because my, my mother specifically, because I spent most of my time with her because she, she just allowed me to be an inquisitive person. Mm. Like I, I've always felt the freedom to explore in general. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then also like my parents had the joy of sex on their bookshelf, which I would flip through regularly so I just really enjoyed looking at people having sex and especially looking at women being empowered in their bodies from a very young age I was fascinated with powerful strong fierce gorgeous women um yeah yeah, and they and they had to be all of those things before beautiful before surfacely beautiful yeah I love that fierce and powerful as well as beautiful because to me that's what enhanced their beauty mm-hmm. at the even as a young person yeah wow yeah um I love that and I love this idea of just just not even having conversations but allowing the exploration of a child who's learning to be like yeah all this is natural <laughs> and like if you have questions I'm here to facilitate but um no like shame around it and so then yeah. as you grew up with that foundation then um did that translate into like was becoming a stripper a choice like did it did it facilitate a feeling that like that it, you know I mean, it's a beautiful art form in and of itself. And so Mm -hmm. I'm curious what what that choice was and how that foundation supported um, or I guess didn't support, you know, that exploration. Yeah. I mean, I had wanted to be a stripper since I was like about 15 or 16, something like that. Um, And when I started talking about it, it was my mother would sort of laugh it off at first thinking that it wasn't anything serious. And then, um, and then I, I was working at a restaurant and long story short, my mother knew the manager of the restaurant. And, um, I had said at the restaurant to like my coworkers, like, I'm going to be a stripper someday. And the manager, like it got back to my mom and my mom was like, Oh, I heard X, Y, and Z, and like they they were laughing with each other about how I would be needing nipple tassels soon, and they just thought it was funny. And so yeah. I never got the message that this is out of the question. Mm-hmm. That's not something you should even think about. That was not the message I received. The message I received was, "Ha ha, like whatever," you sure. know. And so it's like, 
okay. Yeah, if that's know. what you want to do. <laughs> sure. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, so eventually I did it. And there were like progressional things that happened leading up to it. Like I used to practice at home in my mom's lingerie, like after school. Like, Amazing. That was my after school activity. Either that or like trying to have sex with my new boyfriend. So. Sure. <laughs> Valid, yeah. like, teenage female, <laughs> just, like, expressions. It makes total sense yeah. to me. I was not doing that, but um, right. I, I retrospect. <laughs> I was doing homework. I wasn't. Yeah. That sounds way more fun. <laughs> um, and so then uh, you you started performing. And so then um, did you get involved with the United Pole Artists right away? Or was there an evolution mm. to that? facet of the world yeah there was definitely an evolution to it um so I was a stripper a nude stripper in Los Angeles from 2002 to 2007 and during that time the industry actually changed really rapidly because of all of these different factors that were happening at the same time and uh, the money got worse and the environment wasn't as fun and um, what are some I, of the factors that contributed to that? So one of the things was the economy just started like not doing very well during that time. Um, and that was the lead up to, you know, the, the economic shit that we had in 2008. Yeah. Right. So it was definitely like leading up to that. And then at the same time, the Los Angeles, uh, the city itself was like trying to decide whether or not they should ban lap dancing altogether. Um, oh. And yeah, and so the media was sort of reporting on that incorrectly and leading a lot of patrons to believe that there were no lap dances going on. And meanwhile, it was just talk. It was just like, should we do this? Maybe oh, we okay. should vote on it kind of thing. And the media got put it out, you know, incorrectly or people misinterpreted it at whatever the point they didn't they weren't coming in. They just like our numbers just dropped. And at the same time, the economy wasn't doing well. And uh, and then because of that, there were, you know, more sex work was uh, increasing inside of the strip club, which um, I always like to say, that's not what bothered me. Sex work inside the clip strip club does not bother me. I actually think it's much safer for sex workers to do sex work inside strip clubs where it's inside of, you know, four walls where there are people there. Um, however, it did change a lot of the dynamic between clientele and dancers like me who mm. didn't necessarily want to push the boundaries. Okay. And um, and because we don't talk about sex as a society and right. therefore we don't talk about consent in the strip club either and yeah. that is not something you know there's a lot of clubs that are unsafe because consent is not talked about and I was getting assaulted on a regular basis to the point where I was like crying going into work every night oh, wow. um, and at the time I I was also still young and still new to sex work technically and I didn't know how to handle it and there mm -hmm. was no guidance like there is now there was no one for me to go to because at the time I was like at the top of the food chain and so like people were coming to me mm -hmm. I I didn't really <laughs> have that many people to go to um and so uh you know I just started drowning in trauma and and in horophobia, uh, I was just immersed in it. And so I my solution was to quit, to quit stripping. Um, and that 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 was really hard because the money was still good, even though it wasn't as good. It was yeah. still good. Yeah. yeah can, can you expand a little bit on on what horophobia means to you mm -hmm. and how it impacts you? Because mm -hmm. it impacts you because it feels like that from also the foundation you described and the initial experience, like wanting to be a stripper and then stripping, that this was like a pretty radical shift that occurred over the five years. I think you said that that you were yeah. doing this. Well, I, so I think I didn't realize that I was suffering from, from horophobia until many years later, sure. but um, what had happened was because sex work was changing inside of the strip club and it was becoming more visible, mm. I was passing judgment on other people for 
having different boundaries than I did. And so that's what horophobia basically is, you know, judging others and almost being in fear of others that are um, just more sexual or sexual in nature um, and or that, you know, are just more open and so I was horophobic towards the dancers that were um, doing things like hand jobs and blow jobs in the club. And I was blaming them for my assault. Okay. And I was blaming them for uh, my, my money being affected instead of looking at the system, which right. – is what the system wants. The system wants you to be pitted against each other. And I fell for it, you know? Um, yeah. And we're like programmed to do. I mean, it exactly. takes like quite a choice to be like, Hey, right. let me get into like the macro instead of like looking so myopically at my, you know, and, and when we get targeted by our money, we lash out in big ways. Absolutely. Yeah. Experienced that yeah. Too. yeah. So, so yeah, so I was I was dealing with that and then I and then I fell in love. Mm. And it was the first time I had been in love since being a stripper. And I had convinced myself that it's impossible to be a stripper and be in love at the same time because if you really love somebody, then you don't rub your naked body all over hard penises all day and all night. I okay. convinced myself of that. Got it. I unequivocally do not believe that now. I yeah. believe 100% you can be in love. I mean, I was young and I was so yeah. influenced by the media. Um, and because the media is such a powerful tool. Yes. And they report, even as a stripper, I was still gathering my thoughts, ideals, and beliefs from the media who was who consistently reports incorrectly. Yeah. So I was just stuck. Got it. Yeah. 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 I mean, that makes absolutely like I, I 100% agree. And I think I grew up with the Disney idea. So, you mm -hmm. know, I, I didn't try stripping when I was younger, but I also had this very black and white idea of like, you meet the guy, you know, and that's it. And then you fall madly in love and then like the fairy tale begins. And right. that's like not even scratching the surface of the real yeah. story or or what it's like to have any kind of partnership with another human being in whatever way that manifests for you. Right. Um, yeah. And so through that journey then, um, did you find, you know, United Pole artists? Is that is that a piece of it or have we moved? Yeah. <laughs> okay. No, no. So basically, you know, I, I – Quit stripping, started dancing at a bikini bar. Okay. At Jumbo's Clown Room. Oh my and, God, I love that place. <laughs> yeah. And then I started teaching pole at a studio um, at the time called Expositions. And I, as I was teaching there, I, I started to know, notice that like pole dancing was on the rise and something big was going to happen with pole dancing. And I mm. saw the trend in its infancy, like, I mean, fetal infancy type yeah. stage. And, um, and so I wanted to do something to capitalize on that. Yeah. Because this was during the time where I believed and loved capitalism. Which <laughs> sure. is very different now. And um, and so I thought, okay, well, I'm going to start a blog and I'm going to explain to people the difference between stripping and pole dancing and that pole dancing comes from stripping because what I didn't want to see was people to forget where pole dancing came from because sure. I was still proud of that. Um, and But I did want, because it was important to me at the time, that people understood the difference between the two. Again, misguided, um, stuck, you know, still being influenced by what other people thought and by trying to look good. Got That's it. what that all was, you know. Yeah. I love calling myself out, by the way. <laughs> Yeah, I love it. It's a yeah. great skill. I try to do it as much as I can. As yeah. Well. yeah, it's all. Yeah. Yeah, I sucked back then, basically. <laughs> and so I started this blog called United Pole Artists. And um, oh. yeah, in 2009, 
and it um, it was great for a while. You know, I did a lot of really fun things. I got to travel the world. I learned how to live stream and not like how we live stream on our phones on Instagram. Yeah. You know, I was, I taught myself through my network how to live stream using software, hardware, several cameras, oh, live wow. streaming on my website, not through YouTube, not, you know, like so that we could control the content and we could also play the music with the visual, which you can't do on YouTube. You know, right. I had to pay for music licensing and teach myself all of the laws about that. And wow. yeah. And so I introduced live streaming events to the pole dance industry. Oh, wow. Oh yeah. my God. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's and a they huge were like, accomplishment. Yeah. And they were like, what is live streaming? And I was like, well, let me tell you. And then they're like, why would anyone want to come to the real show if they could just watch it for free on their computer? I'm like, that's like saying, why have a football stadium? Like, come on, people right. are, you know? And so I had to teach them as well and be comfortable with it. Yeah. yeah so it was a really interesting time. Yeah. And yeah. so you you're, you say that, you know, this blog doesn't reflect how you feel now, um, especially about capitalism and and even the differentiation between pole and and stripping. And so what what is that evolved into? And now because of this reflection, like what what are you highlighting that you now feel was not in the um, not expressed in the best way that you possibly could at the time. Yeah. So with UPA specifically, I don't I, that there's it has new owners now, which I'm so pleased about. Yeah. Um, Elisa and Bree, they're our new owners, and um, uh, they they stay true to the message of okay, pole dancing came from stripping, and they're very outwardly supportive of strippers and it took me a while to be like a lot about strippers on UPA because like I said I was really trying to highlight pole dancers and so my work now not with UPA is like it's all about strippers and sex workers and their issues yeah. and what I would have liked to have done with United Pole Artists when I had started it was um been really clear like mm. actually I support strippers that are branching out and doing pole dancing and so that I could help more strippers get the gigs on television and in movies and or get more strippers you know be a facilitator for them to be the celebrities instructors because what we're mm -hmm. seeing now is pole dancers who don't support strippers teaching celebrities how to pole dance and they're not teaching them properly right. about the history of stripping and so now these celebrities are up there and they're clapping and thanking pole dancers and it's pissing us all the fuck off because pole dancers only have the activity because strippers did the hard work to introduce it to you right so i would have much rather been like a facilitator and a resource for that at the time I would have been completely blacklisted because at the mm -hmm. time the pole dance industry was being built and run by privileged white women who wanted everything. They tried so hard to separate themselves from stripping that even like strippers that were winning championships were getting their titles and awards stripped, <laughs> taken away from them once it came out that they were strippers so if i wanted to have any kind of oh, footprint yeah. at the time i had to sort of fly under the radar and even though i was like i'm a stripper i was no stripper i've been a stripper if i was like i'm doing nothing but supporting strippers in the pole dance industry i wouldn't have gotten anywhere at oh, the yeah. time yeah yeah and i think it's important to contextualize that like as much as you're calling yourself out which is amazing it is uh, important to understand the climate and the environment at the time of like mm -hmm. pushing that needle forward in mm -hmm. the large scope um yeah right. and so then bringing it to your work today um with the with the groups that you now um 
facilitate and are on the board of, including like everybody visible, soldiers of pole. Um, what is what is the goal now, and and what are currently the issues that you're that you're examining and advocating for? Yeah, so everybody visible was actually a project that was born from pole dancers and strippers getting deleted online after the signing of FOSTA-SESTA. Right. And um, so we did this whole movement and we got Instagram to apologize to pole dancers and strippers for deleting all of their hashtags. And then we realized through our work, because there was a group of us that were actively working on um, campaigning to get the hashtags back, um, we realized that there were other communities that were similarly being affected like us. Um, and that includes the LGBTQ community, um, the black community, like mm -hmm. in general. Yeah. Um, and the big, beautiful women community, um, breastfeeding mothers. Uh, so even some pregnant women were getting deleted and um, just for being pregnant online. Yeah. <laughs> for showing like a natural body in its natural state. Yeah. Um, you know, the transgender community and then the artist community and artists that were specifically around um, sexual expressive art. And so we we're like, oh, this isn't just us. It's like all of these people. So we banded together with these other groups and we created Everybody Visible and we did not want pole dancing to be in it. Like we didn't want the word pole dancing or stripping. Mm -hmm. We wanted it to really be super inclusive to everyone that was that was marginalized and feeling the effects. Um, and and then through that, as that was developing, I was getting involved with Soldiers of Pole, which is now called Strippers United. Mm -hmm. And I was like. I can't, like, I can't even with UPA anymore. Like, I can't, I can't deal with these entitled privileged pole dancers that don't understand what I'm saying. Like, right. uh, cause I was connecting so much with the sex workers cause everything was like hitting me all at once. Yeah. And when the sex workers would come and yell at me on UPA, I'm like, you're right. Let's be friends. You're right. I'm getting it wrong. You're right. Let's be friends. And like, I have some of that, like Nova Kane is like one of my closest friends right now. And we became friends because she yelled at me on a UPA <laughs> post. And I was like, hey, you want to talk on the phone? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then we've been nice. friends ever since. Yeah. Amazing. She's amazing. <laughs> yeah, um, I know. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I, yeah, I love all this. And so what year did you start getting or did you start everybody everybody visible yeah and did you start getting involved with strippers united formerly soldiers of pole so okay so the summer of 2019 was when um everybody visible like started ramping up and then in 2019 of october we had this break the internet campaign um yeah and then i at that same time i was getting really heavily involved with soldiers of pole so a lot of activism work happened around that time. Yeah. And so mm -hmm. I, I'd love to talk a little bit about about your accident and that mm -hmm. experience and how that informed this work that you're currently doing, because it seems like it all kind of coincided, um, at least from the outside perspective of, of this almost like higher calling of really advocating for all different groups to have representation to have a voice to have um respect and and they're just like basic rights yeah. um and and so yeah if you could if you could speak to that and and maybe share a little bit about your experience um you know with the accident and and what actually happened yeah so the accident was a really incredible day actually uh, it was a super interesting day when i look back on it um i was actually on my way to go to like a seminar that would introduce me to transforming my life i wanted i i needed a transformation um i had been on a path of transformation for the whole year of 2018 I was meditating on an average of 45 minutes a day. I was seeing a hypnotherapist regularly. I was reading self-help books with my mother. We had our own little private book club. Oh, cool. And everything that I had did up to 2018 
led to that accident and that night, which was completely life changing. And I remember because like I was late to the seminar for mm-hmm. this transformative, you know, event yeah. of my life. And so I remember laying in the street like seconds after I realized that I was okay and I wasn't paralyzed and thought, okay, we're just going to take this one moment at a time. Like promise me, this is all going on in my head. Promise me you won't start to skip ahead. Just right. one thing at a time. What you're doing right now is you're waiting for the ambulance. <clears throat> And what you'll do when you get in the ambulance is you'll just go to the hospital. And it was literally like one thing at a time. And yeah. I was very calm. I wasn't crying. I didn't black out. I remember everything. Wow. What um, was the actual accident? If you could. Yeah. So I was driving on my motor scooter going straight through a green light and the oncoming traffic the person that was waiting to turn left from oncoming traffic turned when she shouldn't have. Got it. And Got turned it. into my scooter and I turned to the right because I thought I could go around her. And so that exposed the left side of my body oh, and I her see. bumper crushed my left foot and smashed all five of my toes on the ball of my foot and amputated it on impact. Oh, wow. Yeah, it was really intense. Yeah. Yeah. And so I fell out sideways and I tumbled in the street a little bit and I did a body scan. I was like, okay, back is back and legs are working. Cool. Yeah, I can move. So- <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> totally. Yeah. So, um, and so I was, I, I used my training from 2018, my meditating and staying present and staying calm. And, um, and then I, I don't know, as the days developed when I was in the hospital, um, I I don't know. I, I don't know what made me decide, okay, I need to dedicate my life to serving others. Um, mm-hmm. But that's when it started. And then I ended up doing the life-changing transformative seminar afterwards, which yeah. is a program called Landmark. Some some of you have heard of it. Some of you haven't. Some yeah, of you hate yeah. it. Some of you love it. Um, <laughs> no, my, it's- my partner's done it, and I did MITT which is like a, okay. a similar program. Cool. Well, it changed my life and in through doing those programs solidified for me, okay, I need to be in service of others. Wow. Um and then so I've just been going with that ever since. And I'm curious with you know with the trauma of the accident and this amazing calmness that you felt in this mm-hmm. one moment at a time like how I if only we could all be in that state all of the time, I just feel like <laughs> the world would be a much better place. Um, but I, I'm curious about this this coming back to self and this coming back to, or maybe it wasn't even a journey back, but this this new exploration of what what sexuality means, mm-hmm. what um, what this expression and pleasure in in these these ways that you were able to express it in before, or or that that you found you know home with 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 stripping and with um, just like you know the things that you were participating in, and so I'm curious about that journey to find a new way to do it or to to incorporate, you know, you as you are in this moment in whatever way that is. Yeah. Yeah. I just, I think that before I had the full amputation because I ended up just for context, getting the rest of my leg and foot amputated about a year and a half after the accident. So I think like for that first year and a half, I like did everything I could to like almost remain the same person that I was as Mm. you know I was still taking sexy pictures and making sexy videos in my house because I really wanted to prove to like myself and everyone else and I'm I'm just making faces at myself because I'm like it's silly but I wanted to prove to myself yeah yeah, I just wanted to be like see it's I'm still here I'm it's still me I can do all of the things that I used to do it's just five toes and the ball of my foot it's not my soul it's not who I am and so I really spent a lot of time like just proving like I can go back to stripping and I will go back to stripping someday um and then 
COVID hit. Got it. Yeah. yeah. Which changed everything. It and, changed everything. And was was there a distinction then when you had the rest of the, the bottom half of your leg removed to an evolution of like, well, I, I don't need to to be – I don't need the approval of other people. What right. was that part? No, of definitely. It? Yeah. yeah, definitely. I mean, I'm I've become so uninterested in what influencers do or say. Oh my god. Um, me too. <laughs> uh, yeah, I I'm so uninterested in what famous people are doing. I'm so uninterested in my friends' fancy new cars and homes. I'm yeah. just I'm more interested in uh, healing for others, not just myself, um, sustainable living, communal living, art, um, you know, helping others like that shit turns me on when someone's like, Hey, look at my brand new seven fireplace mansion. I'm like, cool. Right. You know, that doesn't impress me much. Um, and it's, and it's, yeah, exactly. And it's <laughs> yeah. it's cool. It's nice. And I'm happy for my friends that have those things because that's what makes them happy. And that's what's important to me, that they're happy. Um, but I want, I'm more interested in my friends that want to build sustainable farming and like create ways to teach others to do the same. Yeah. And I want to demolish capitalism and the patriarchy that's all I fucking care about and white supremacy. Yeah. Like that's it. And so I think, you know, COVID was really helpful in like determining the the issues are so clear now. Yeah. Yeah. They're so clear. Yeah, I would absolutely agree. Mm-hmm. And and just to expand on that a little bit in terms of, you know, this shift of what your priorities are you know, on Instagram or, 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 you know, what your, what lights you up in terms of this like sexuality and pleasure Mm -hmm, aspect. mm -hmm. I'm curious Mm -hmm. about the internal Mm -hmm. journey as well. You know, I think like, I think taking sexy pictures can be amazing for ourselves, even if we don't post them anywhere, you know, if it, if it, it, especially if it's detached from that longing of approval and like, look, I'm still here. And so I'm just wondering if you could talk specifically to that, your own personal journey with that and that evolution. I mean, it's still evolving as of now because I'm really like, you know, I'm using pronouns she, they now and I, you know, ask myself every day, should I be using they, them? Mm. And I, I've been looking back on my past and my history of like how one of my closest friends that I've known for 20 years now would say to me so often, God, you're, you're just like a dude. You're like a dude. You know, Mm -hmm. but meanwhile, I'm like wearing eight inch heels and have like hot pink lip gloss on. Um, And so for the the sexuality thing is is getting really confusing for me. I don't Mm. know what's going on in there. And I I'm not sure if that has to do with losing my leg. I'm not sure if that has to do with like not actively dressing super feminine all the time like I used to like for work Um, or if it's just that. I've finally been given the permission. That's what I was wondering. By yeah. society. Yeah. And like and then like I I think about others that so boldly didn't give a fuck about anybody's permission. And I just admire those people because I'm realizing or starting to, and I've not even talked about this out loud to um publicly at all yet. Um, but I'm realizing that there's something more than just this feminine in me and to the point Mm -hmm. where I don't even know what amount there is in there. I know that there's an amount in there. I just don't know what it is. And so I'm, I haven't had sex since May of 2020. I'm extremely uninterested in it. Oh, I'm uninterested in doing online sex work. I'm very interested in doing in-person sex work, but Mm -hmm. 
it's COVID. So it's, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a little and, bit more preventative. And also, yeah. I'm still, um, I'm still working on walking well um, with my new prosthetic. It's still pretty new. Yeah. So yeah, I don't know. I don't. I'm not putting any labels on anything, but yeah. I'm definitely questioning my gender identity, which I never thought I would ever. Yeah. Yeah. yeah thank, thank you so much for sharing that. Um, I know that that's vulnerable to talk about and I, mm. I just sincerely appreciate it. And I think one of the biggest things that I'm hearing from it too, is that we are evolving people and that wouldn't it be nice if we had a world that allowed for something to not stay static so you know yes. like you can be super feminine and feel like that's where you lead from when you're young and 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 be super sexual and then also find asexuality at some point or find you know other parts of yourself that are resonating more and that all of that gets to be okay and it doesn't have to live along this hard binary that is really limiting Right. And so like, do I have to decide and tell people, you know? And so like yeah. I had this conversation with um, a friend of mine uh, and we were, you know, we have a small circle, the, a close circle of friends. And she had said, well, in a call, there was three of us on the call. And she's like, well, since none of us here on this call are queer, we really don't know what we're talking about. I said, excuse me. Hello. And they're, and they were like, oh, you identify as queer? And I'm like, well, yeah, like I do and I have done and I think about X, Y, and Z. And they were like, well, you've never like come out and told us. I'm like, I just don't feel right. like I need to come out and say specifically to you yeah. or to them or to my family or whoever. Like, I'm just, I don't need to say that to you. Yeah. You know, no, I feel on the same sort of evolution, especially with COVID and like the things that I've, you know, experimented with before, like I'm way more interested in, in women and, and other genders than I I ever realized or gave myself permission to think about. Mm. And but putting a label on it feels very not like it's not something that I'm interested in doing right now because nothing feels right and, mm -hmm. and nothing feels like yeah, I want to like announce it necessarily. And I actually haven't talked about this either, but it, it feels, yeah, like there's this pressure of all of a sudden you have to be like, I figured it out. Now you get to call me the thing that makes you feel comfortable. <laughs> yeah. Like, but that yeah. doesn't work for me. Right. Because one of the things I would tell them that I have said to a few people is that sometimes I feel like I'm a gay man inside of a woman's body mm -hmm. and their response to that I was like hello I've been saying this to you for like two years and they're like well I just thought you were joking because you're always making jokes and it's sound you know and they just thought and but the thing is it's like I don't know if I was joking or not I don't know because sure. it sounds I've never imagined saying that or feeling that and when I started to feel it I was like is this real? Right. You know, right. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. No, absolutely. Yeah. Thank you for sharing all that. Yeah. And so I'm curious, like this, this journey that you're on um, and, and how it relates to getting back to, you know, Strippers United um, and the activism work that you're doing to smash the patriarchy and crumble <laughs> capitalism. <laughs> um, you know, I, I, it sounds like those are very intertwined, which which makes total sense to me. And, and I feel similarly, but I, I, I'd love to hear you expand a little bit on um, on on that connection and, and currently how you are how you are advocating for that. That was a big question. Yeah, can you can you ask one more time? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so I'm curious like this this journey that you're on mm -hmm. um a lot of change, a lot of um a lot of shifting in perspective mm -hmm. is is what I'm hearing. Um in your body and in like sexually and mm -hmm. in understanding systemic um 
like lack of support for so many different groups and so you know you commented before that with United Pole Artists it was operating really strongly within the capitalistic framework and within the patriarchy and that now these these um organizations that you're working with and and have founded and are a director of are opposite <laughs> like they're not mm-hmm. opposite maybe but they are aimed at smashing the patriarchy at yeah. you know um decolonizing and um breaking down capitalism and and to me it sounds like a lot of this is very connected especially with you know landmark and 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 just giving yourself this moment to moment perspective and so I'm Mm. curious you know we just talked about the individual internal work and so Mm. I'm curious about how that is impacting and what that external work is now the focus of like soldiers of pole strippers united and and um yeah well um I just my heart feels so much for so many people and the discrimination that we see in this world and the hatred and the dehumanizing behavior that we enact on others, I, um, I learned and understand through being friends with sex workers that the majority of the world's problems stem from capitalism, white supremacy and the patriarchy. I think the patriarchy was probably the easiest for me to learn about because with white privilege, it it took me a little longer to understand just how bad things are. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I'll admit that. So, and then capitalism was like the last thing on my radar and Um, I'd also like to add in commercialism Mm -hmm. um, because that encapsulates a lot of the media, which is also a huge problem, very problematic. Um, And I am a very critical thinker and I spend a lot of time contemplating things and I listen to philosophy and I just started to understand that socialism is not a bad thing. It's actually a really beautiful thing. And I just started to see what these things are that that humans had created and that the rest of us continue to perpetuate how harmful it is and how it's not even just harmful to humans it's it's like we're like killing the planet that we're on um which will eventually be harmful well it actually is harmful to humans because fires tornadoes and hurricanes yeah (laughs) oh my yeah exactly so um i just I feel like that if there's not people like me and people even doing a much, much better job than me, then what would the world be like? Because sometimes I'm like, this is fruitless. This is pointless. This will never change. But then I'm like, well, even if it doesn't change to where you want to see it in your lifetime, you can't not do this work. Someone has to do it. Right. And once my eyes have been opened to it, I can't unlearn it. I just can't. It's like when you figure out that if the water is too hot and you pour it on yourself, you'll burn your skin. Right, right. Once you know that. You can't keep getting burned. You can't (laughs) and you know it. Yeah, and you know it, you know, and and you can't change that you know it. And and so that's how I feel. And it, it can be really depressing too because it's like, Oh my God, it's so much, you know, and, and, you know, ignorance is bliss truly. So I, I just, I don't know. I have, thank you so much for asking all of this because I've been feeling uninspired lately (laughs) because I've been really burnt out and in a lot of pain dealing with that. And so just talking about this is like reminding me of the importance of, you know, working every day for other people, um, and for my family and for myself, you know. Yeah. yeah. Well, and even I, want. I, I, yeah, absolutely. And I, I would just like to point out, like, even you talking about these things and owning mm-hmm. up to, you know, your own 
misgivings and 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 faults along the way but then your personal experience and continuing to push through and also take time if you're burned out and need the moment to breathe like what a what a wonderful example for the rest of us to to take heart of like this is possible and um yeah so you just talking it and sharing is also a piece of it and it's also a beautiful gift as well. Thank you. Yeah. I get a lot of my inspiration specifically from sex workers and even more specifically from um, our black indigenous and people of color uh, sex workers because um, they just are amazing and and just inspire me in so many different ways. And um, yeah, so you know, shout out to them for continuing to inspire me because, um, yeah, that's it. Yeah. 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 And Thank so, you. Yeah. And so just before we wrap up, I am curious, like, what is other than Instagram and getting visibility on these platforms where people make money and, um, you know, or have previously and need visibility and respect and representation, um, are there other and not to diminish that by any means, we just chatted a little bit about that. I'm curious, are there other things that you are currently fighting for with Strippers United um, that, you know, other people can get involved in or do more research in and, and become an advocate as well? Yeah, we're currently looking at the equality model trying to be passed in New York. Um, it's it's being passed under the guise that it's a decriminalization bill. However, there's verbiage in it that um, is still similar to the Nordic model, which is a dangerous model um, that is uh, live in Europe, which basically that model, it, just to give everyone context, is um, criminalizing the John or the client and not the sex worker, but that still poses dangerous situations for the sex worker. And so in New York, they're tr- it's almost like they're trying to be like, see, we're doing it, we're good, but there's still verbiage in there that is um, dangerous. So we're working on um, you know, reading through that bill and making those points. Uh, so I, I, what would you like to see instead of the Nordic model? What What is the preferable model that would create more safety? Full decriminalization without any weird loopholes written by the government. And for them to actually listen to sex workers' um, suggestions and, uh, you know, demands on how it should be written, like really listen to sex workers um, and, you know, uh, when you see things come up for the repeal of FOSTA-SESTA, like hop on board, share it, do everything you can whenever you see anything about FOSTA-SESTA. Yeah. Um, and when you see new bills like the Earn It Act, basically follow sex workers and whatever <laughs> sex workers yeah. tell you what to do when do it comes it. to the law, just do it. Just yeah. do it. Yeah. <laughs> just do it. Um, amazing. Well, I've had such a blast chatting with you. Thank you for taking so much time and sharing so honestly and openly. Yeah. Where can people find you um, and the amazing organizations that you're working with and for and have created yeah so you can follow me personal at the queen of sexy um please follow my podcast yes a stripper podcast yeah and um strippers united is in the process of rebranding right now you can find us at soldiers underscore of underscore pole underscore Amazing. Yeah. Uh, well, thank you so much again for your time. And I hope Thanks you can for connect- having me. Yeah, connect again. Woo-hoo. Wonderful. Uh- uh- boy. <laughs> I was like, boy. I figured if I wasn't going to join in. you on this one. <laughs> I was like, last one, you got to do it. <laughs> Took me a second to get what you were going for. And I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's like a wink. Um, <laughs> oh my God, that was amazing. Thank you so much, Am, for coming on and for opening up so vulnerably and sharing so bravely. I had a blast talking to you and uh, yeah, just really inspiring. So uh, please follow her. She's doing some really cool stuff and posting some amazing resources and just insight and, and just all around an awesome human being. Yeah, thanks for for coming on. I think that was a really cool listen. 
Yeah. Uh, as always, please follow us on social media. We are on Instagram and Facebook at Finding My Yum Podcast. And slip into those DMs. I love hearing what kind of recommendations you want for future guests, future episodes. Uh, I'd love to chat with you, become a part of our community. Yeah, if you want to uh, email, if you have longer form thoughts or guest suggestions that you'd like to connect us with, uh, you can do that at findingmyyum at gmail.com. Um, we are on YouTube, too, if you want to take a look at what we're what we're providing you. It's the Finding My Yum podcast on YouTube, um, putting up a lot of different videos there. And I think it's uh, pretty cool to get a visual that goes along with the audio. Yeah, click that subscribe button uh, on on all pl- podcast forums and yeah. on YouTube. Join our community in every way. We would love to have you um, a part of it on social media, on YouTube. And yeah, say goodbye to Will, and we'll see you again soon. Stay yummy.